Welcome into another edition of Tampa 2. Casey Phillips here with staff writer Bree Dix. We are all ready to go for Creamsicle. We're coming off the bye week. We're rested. We're ready. And this is going to be such a fun matchup. I cannot wait to break it down. But because we did have bye week last week, we didn't do a Tampa 2. So we still have not broken down the Saints game. And I know that now that probably feels like it's been a little bit. But let me tell you, I don't think any Bucks fans out there are sad to be talking about beating the Saints again. Let's just be real. We still all <laughs> want to talk about that. Um, right. So I figured let's start with some of the takeaways from that and just some of the bye week thoughts before we get into breaking down this Lions matchup. So uh, for you, what were just some of the big takeaways from that Saints game, maybe starting on the uh, offensive side of things? Yeah, well, they definitely played complimentary ball against New Orleans, and I think that was something that we were all excited to see. And offensively, I mean, the Bucks outgained the Saints in net yards 353 to 197. That's insane. They put up 114 yards on the ground and kind of that combination of the gap, the zone, the duo schemes, which opened up the lanes that stimulated play action. Um, I mean, Devin Tompkins, you know, repeatedly put in motion and kind of the threat of his speed drew the additional coverage, which led to creases for Baker Mayfield to exploit with his legs. I think, you know, with Rashad White, you saw a little bit less of the hesitation. He was quickly getting north. Um, and then, I mean, he just connected with three different players for touchdowns with Kate Otten, Trey Palmer, Devin Tompkins. And I think that's something that you kind of saw sort of that that balanced attack. And even this week, Dave Canales has talked about, you know, waiting to kind of see that game where everything comes together. And I don't think we've fully seen what this offense is capable of in terms of running the football. Um, I think that's something that we're still waiting to see, but I do think that game was a stepping stone in the direct, in the right direction for this team. Yeah. Which is perfect timing going into the bye week to be able to see some of the, what worked, right. what didn't work. Um, yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah. I think for me, looking at the offensive side of things for that game, I just, I loved Baker's performance, almost 80% mm. completion. Yes. He had the interception, but then three touchdowns, and then also his scramble ability, his creativity, his elusiveness, whatever you want to call it. He ended up with 31 rushing yards that were just at such important key moments, extending plays, extending drives, you know, and even thinking about that touchdown to Devin Tompkins, just the ability of, you know, continuing to keep moving, keep looking for options. I mean, it was over seven seconds, which a props to the offensive line for giving him that amount of time, but just his patience, his desire to keep extending things, keep looking downfield, even when he is kind mm -hmm. of scrambling a little bit. I've just been really impressed with his way of doing that where, you know, of course, it was just such an unfair thing for him of everybody just talking about they were going to compare him to Tom Brady when he got here. And I think that's just such an unfair thing to do. But what I will say is this is something he brings that Brady didn't always bring. I mean, Brady at this point in his career right. was just not going to be known as the elusive movement scramble guy. And so this is a whole other element that it kind of brings to this offense, which I think is great. Um, also, I really love that the Bucs were three of four in the red zone. And going into that game, the Saints were the number three red zone defense. So that was a really nice. big thing. I mean, that, that just was right. great to see. And then again, especially knowing that that was without Mike Evans- for most of the game where you think of him as one of your biggest red zone threats. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was uh, a great thing. And then also just again, being without Mike to see all these guys that stepped up for him. Cade played every snap in the game, got a touchdown, Devin Tompkins, his touchdown Palmer has mm -hmm. now two touchdowns in his first four games. 
And, you know, just to see those guys that, of course, we always like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Yep. That's mm-hmm. your one. That's your two. They've earned that hundred percent. It is so reassuring to know that when, you know, one of those guys goes down that Baker still has so many options to look at. And even things like the Devin Tompkins touchdown again, where it's the play is kind of broken down. It's not what you originally figured out to have the kind of chemistry for those scramble drills for the improvisation. And if you look at that film, Scott and I were talking about this the other day on Bucks Insider, Devin was not open yet when Baker threw the ball. That was a very anticipatory throw. Mm-hmm. And to have that kind of chemistry with your number, I don't know, four, five, six guy, right. whatever you'd rank Devin Tompkins at at this point, mm-hmm. when you are a new quarterback and a new offense is amazing because a lot of times that's what they say is you maybe you get that chemistry and trust with your top guys, but have you had the time to get it with everybody? And I think that spoke very highly of, of the work that they all put in this off season and, and to get that with each other. And of course, Chris Godwin is now second only to Mike in franchise history in 100 plus yard games. Mm. That's crazy. The top two guys in franchise history in that <laughs> on the field at the same time. So again, there's just so many ways that our offense can attack people. And I think that's great to see. Uh, so now what were some of the uh, defensive takeaways that you had? Right. Well, I mean, they held the Saints to just 197 yards of offense, didn't allow a single touchdown. And I think one of the biggest things for this team was they put the clamps on Alvin Kamara. He had returned from three game suspension and he was held to just 84 yards from scrimmage. You know, they stifled kind of that screen perimeter game um, with Kamara, with Rashid Shahid that the coaching staff had been really adamant about going into that game. Um, And they really just, I think, rallied to the football. You know, they held Chris Olave to just one catch for four yards. Um, And I think that is going to be big this week, rallying to the fall, being rallying to the ball, being disciplined against David Montgomery and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yep. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, I I had in there, too, about how holding them to 197 yards. It's the lowest total allowed by the Bucs in 63 all-time meetings between the two teams. That's a huge deal. And I felt like my biggest defensive takeaway was Antoine Winfield Jr. Oh, <laughs> like, yes. He is my takeaway. Um, I cannot yeah. get enough of reading his stat line from that game. Nine tackles, sack, force fumble and recovery, couple tackles for loss, quarterback yes. hit, pass breakup. <laughs> like that is absurd. Um, and then also now his 11 sacks are the most by a DB, at least after that game, the bye week has thrown off a lot of these stats for me now that we've played less games and people, but at that point, his 11 sacks are the most by a defensive back since he entered the league in 2020. And I just think that's incredible of here's this guy that I don't know that any of us would have thought when we brought him in, like, Ooh, this is, this is going to be our sack guy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. It speaks so much to bowls, creativity with the defense, bringing a bunch of different looks. It brings, it just brings so much credit to Winfield for all the things he's able to do. Um, I just, yeah, I love seeing what he was able to do that game. And then also another takeaway was just like taking advantage of turnovers, right. And getting them at the best time that we've really seen how much emphasis they've put on that. And I thought about the swing in the game from you have Baker's interception, then Antoine's force fumble and Palmer's touchdown, just boom, 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 all right before half. And I think about if you, instead of where you think you're about to get a touchdown and instead it's a turnover, and then maybe they're able to go score before half, like that's a demoralizing swing of points. Like that's kind of just the worst case scenario there. But 
Antoine's forced fumble and being able to immediately bounce right back. And I love that about Baker again of like, we had the interception, but we're throwing the touchdown and it was a tough throw. And I, I thought that spoke to his mental toughness a lot of like, we're not going to be cautious just because I threw an interception that last drive. We're still throwing it. We're doing whatever we need to do. Um, so yeah. And of course, Zion and D Delaney love how well they're playing as backups. I think that's just, to me, cornerback is one of those positions where you get pretty freaked out if your top guys are hurt that typically Mm -hmm. in the league, there's a a fairly decent drop-off, right? And that can be something that really exploits you. And so now to know that you can feel like you throw Zion in there, you throw D Delaney in there and D's got a couple interceptions back-to-back games. Zion's been playing absolutely incredible. Um, I just think that that's got to make Todd Bowles sleep a little bit better at night. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I would love to get some of your thoughts on the bye week the kind of first quarter of the season. It's always funny. We, we used to always kind of do those quarterly reports of like, where do we stand here? And then you'd also do kind of a bye week one. And it just kind of felt that they were the same thing this year. Um, so tell us just kind of some of your, your opening thoughts of where the team stands at the bye week And I thought maybe we'd do kind of like an MVP so far, most improved mm-hmm. so far. So tell me just kind of what stands out to you there. Well, overall for the bye week I mean, I think this team is in the best position possible at three and one. And I love the fact that everyone really externally, the so-called pundits that all, all of these people that projected this team would have, you know, two or three total wins during the duration of the entire season. And they have already surpassed that number because I think going into this season, I mean, for me, that was just absolutely ludicrous when you looked at this roster, just the amount of depth, the talent that this team has, um, a new offensive system being put in place to really maximize the talent and what these guys do best. The way with the running style of Rashad White, with Baker Mayfield's ability, the mobility, all of these things with the bootlegs, the play action, um, all of these things working hand in hand, the athleticism of the offensive line with Tristan Wirfs and And I think you're starting to see all of these things come into place and come to fruition um, with kind of the, a little bit of like a gradual increase every single game. Um, And even though it's not exactly where you would want it to be, there's definitely encouraging signs. And I think even though going into it, the bye week at five seemed crazy to everybody and you kind of just rolled your eyes at, you know, oh, week five bye, they played four games. Um, but at this point, I think it couldn't have come at a better time just with the injuries that this team had going into it uh, to a lot of your cornerstone players. You know, we'll talk about it later, but hopefully getting, you know, Kalaji Kansi back this week um, and just kind of giving people time to rest, but also just evaluation of where we were and kind of where we want to go and rounding out what this team has done well as kind of an evaluation. Um, and then MVP. You kind of led into it perfectly, but I have to go with Antoine Winfield Jr. And I think you could definitely make a case for Baker Mayfield and his, you know, third down prowess and all of that. But Antoine is playing out of his mind. He's all over the field, has, you know, the ball hawking twitch, the sideline to sideline range, the physicality in the box, the awareness in the post. And he's just been fun, fun to watch. And as you mentioned, you know, his crazy stat line against the Saints, and he became the first player with that stat line since Bobby Wagner accomplished the feat in 2018. That's elite company, and even more impressive than I think the peanut punch on New Orleans' six-yard line that set up the touchdown was that freak sequence in the third quarter 
he Shaq Barrett kind of reacted, chased Kamara to the boundary, which forced him to bubble. And then Winfield dropped Kamara for a loss behind the line of scrimmage. Behind the line of scrimmage, two plays later, Winfield broke up a potential touchdown to Chris Olave in the end zone. That is insane. He Lying matched around. him stride for stride. I mean, just his understanding of leverage, the angles to the football against the run and pass. I mean, his recognition of play designs is just second to none. And I can't say enough about the way that he's playing. And I was laughing because I was looking at old scouting reports of Antoine Winfield. And one of them near the bottom, it said he is not going to be a star. And I just died laughing because it was like, well, isn't that, isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Where's freezing cold takes. Yes. And he's, yeah, that didn't age well. And now he's one of the best safeties in the entire NFL. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. He was definitely one of my people for MVP. I mean, also I agree with you. My others were Baker because obviously it's like, you, you know, your quarterback is most likely going to hopefully be right. Your MVPs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. I do think he's just done an incredible job, but then my other one is Tristan Wirfs, just the fact that he got Ooh. moved over into one of the most yes. important positions. And that's part of why we're considering Baker for MVP is because Tristan has just done that move so gracefully so well. And, um, I mean, he was just one of, if not the best right tackles in the league and then moved over and has not lost a beat, which I think is incredible. So, um, I, yeah, I think those would be my, my MVPs so far. Uh, how about your, your most improved so far? Ooh. So as again, you perfectly kind of mentioned a little bit of that earlier, but I'm going to go with Devin Tompkins. I am so excited to see the way that he is playing. And I think you're starting to see, him really come into his own and you know we've all witnessed the insane acrobatic climb the ladder catches that he's made during the one-on-one drills during training camp or in the joint practices last season and then this year but to see him make the impactful plays that he did against the saints in a high stakes divisional matchup i think that was really exciting to see you know a guy that went undrafted he's a person you can't help but root for and i think back to you know the touchdown drive against the saints before even the score, you know, he converted that critical third down with a nasty release. And I think you're seeing a little bit of his, him refining his craft as a route runner, but he faked like he was going to go outside the defensive back bit. And then he worked back inside and turned his body towards Mayfield for the game. And then just a few plays later, you know, he drew the holding call on Demario Davis that set up the midfield shot to Chris Godwin and then even like you had mentioned, the the actual touchdown play where, you know, Baker faced pressure from the blitz, knew he was, Tompkins knew he was in trouble, kind of just continued running to that right corner of the end zone. And then Mayfield was able, able to connect with him. So I think you're starting to see that mutual trust there, um, their growth. And I just couldn't be happier to see the pro- the progress that Devin Tompkins has made. That's great. Yeah, mine so far is uh, Zion McCollum. He, and it's so amazing because I feel like the cornerback coach, Kevin Ross, just like called his shot before the season that he said, Zion is going to be the most improved guy on this team. And I was like, well, of course he's going to say that it's his, one of the, his own guys it's in his position Mm -hmm. room, you know, whatever, man, he called that shot earlier on. So his completion percentage, uh, over expected. So like, this is one of those stats that I feel like you kind of have to explain, because I'm about to give a negative number and that sounds confusing. (laughs) So completion percentage over expected, you want a negative number. 
if it's higher, that means that's not good that it's this whole, yeah, no, the no, completion no. percentage is high, not good. So <laughs> last year it was 12.2. This year it is minus 7.9. That's a huge swing. And then one of the other wow. stats that shows it, that's a little easier for explaining via podcast, uh, the passer rating when he is the nearest defender, right? So this is how well the quarterback does when Zion is the, the nearest defender last year, the quarterback rating against Zion was 129.6. And this year it is 66.8. That is a huge swing. That is a leap. Yes. <laughs> that is massive. So yeah, I think, um, Zion just in his confidence level, he just seems so confident out there. And I think that's a, it's a great sign for the team to have a guy like him, you know, that, you know, if any of your other guys go down, he's ready to go. So yeah, right. he's my, my most improved. Uh, how about we give an injury update? Yes. Um, so exciting. Kalija Cansey, first round pick has been practicing this week. And I think in addition to Cansey, the Bucks hope to get cornerback Jamel Dean back in the lineup, you know, after he was sidelined with the neck and the shoulder injury, um, and should have Vita Vea, you know, with the pectoral and then Devin White with the foot closer to full strength this week. And then in addition, I think, you know, the bye week helps give Mike Evans more time to recover um, after he missed the second half for the week four win in New Orleans with that hamstring strain. So again, this bye week came at a great time to kind of give guys some time to really heal up um, and be ready for this huge game against the Detroit Lions. Yeah. And again, our disclaimer we give every week, we are recording this Friday morning before the Friday injury report. Yes. So we still don't have the who's in, who's out kind of stuff. Right. But yeah, I agree with you. The fact that Mike practiced even in a limited capacity on Thursday, I think is a really right. great sign because for one thing, I mean, you know, Mike Evans could go without practice at all and be fine to go to right. the game. And so if you are even remotely putting him out there and especially even on Thursday as compared to Friday, I just think that all seems like a really great sign. So um, yeah, that's got to be right. just music to all the Bucks fans ears at this point. Um, and yeah, Kalijah Cansey, man, I'm excited to see him get back in there. He's only played 11 snaps, but they were some good ones. Yeah. <laughs> they were some good ones. Um, <laughs> all right. How about uh, a player to watch a one-on-one -on -one matchup to watch? What's something you're excited about? So for the matchup portion of that, I am going to go with, and really this could be, Luke Gedeke or Tristan Wirfs, um, but both of them can join effort against uh, Mr. Aiden Hutchinson. Man, this is going to be a, a battle on Sunday. Um, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is just playing lights out, you know, second overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Um, he had nine and a half sacks in his inaugural season. He finished second in defensive rookie of the year voting. And he's kind of that lion's prize possession. Um, he lines up, you know, all over the place. They rush him from the edge, from the interior. Um, he's broken up four passes, forced him to recover to fumble and grabs another interception this season, his fourth. I mean, just harasses the pocket, you know, has myriad of rush moves, um, in his toolbox, violent handwork has that sudden inside counter move. Um, but I'm excited to see, I really think Luke Gedeke again has really come into his own this year um, and has really improved as well. Kind of going back to that natural position on the right that he played at Central Michigan. Um, and he's done great over there when Tristan were switched to the blind side. So he's a guy that, you know, plays with solid anticipation, is second level blocker, you know, can anchor and pass pro, has that awareness and the competitive demeanor. So I'm excited to see how Gedeke stacks up and kind of steps up to the challenge against one of the league's best edge rushers. And then 
defensively for the matchup, I'm going to go with Levante David against Sam Laporta. Why do we have the same ones for both of them? Dang it. <laughs> I feel like typically we at least have a Miracle. few that are different. And I really thought I was being kind of like creative with that one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, anyways, go uh, ahead. I obviously agree with your choices. I think you're really smart. <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, Sam, and again, tight ends typically do not, with the intricacies of the NFL level, because in college, it's like, okay, they're primarily either this glorious big slot receiver or they're solely an inline blocker. Um, and then you come to the NFL level and you have to do all of the above um, in order to not give, you know, the defense a tell when, when they come in um, as to run of the pass. So, but Sam Laporta has recorded the most receptions by a tight end in his first four career games in NFL history, while also leading all rookies at the position in targets and receiving yards and he's really just kind of ignited their offense he's become that safety valve for Jared Goff um he can threaten you know zone coverage is able to change the tempo of his routes um and you know Ben Johnson just builds an incredible game plan to get his playmakers in space and you know on Sunday he's gonna have to go up against one of the best off-ball linebackers in Levante David um, who has, you know, the elite read and react skills and the trigger to that puts him in prime positioning. And he has the, you know, the hip fluidity to limit tight ends and running backs in zone coverage, but also the skills to blanket and swarm tight ends and man coverage. Um, so, I mean, God, an ascending rookie against a legendary veteran. I think this is going to be a really great matchup to watch. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I knew the Luke Gedeke versus Aiden Hutchinson thing I kind of figured was going to be it, but I decided mm -hmm. I was like, I'll still go with it. Even if she does too, because it is the thing, it's the thing to watch. It is going to be the thing. It's yeah. the thing. So, um, and I, it's funny because I, I just feel like the conventional wisdom is when you know that the other team has the elite pass rusher, they have like the guy you do tend to assume like, Oh, they'll be going against your left tackle. Like that's just kind of always been the idea of this, but yeah, I looked it up and Aiden Hutchinson definitely does rush from Luke Gedeke's side a lot more often. Right. So yeah. I do think that'll be really interesting to watch. And of course, again, like if I'm another team, I'm not sending my best guy against Tristan the whole time, because it's probably, you're probably going to know that like, you're going to get negated. Like Tristan has built yes. that kind of reputation where <laughs> I think of him, like when people talked about like a cornerback, like Revis Island, you right. just don't throw that way. I think of Tristan Wirfs as building, building the kind of reputation where teams are now saying, we just, we don't want to rush that way. <laughs> like it's just, right. just no, it's probably not going to work as well. Now I'm sure that they would have thought at the beginning of the season that Luke Gedeke was a much better option than Tristan Wirfs in that area. But now like, yeah, your Luke has stepped up a lot. He's playing really great. He's only allowed one sack. I will say, you know, he's, he's had a few penalties so far. So I think that'll be a really interesting thing to watch is can he, stay disciplined against a really elite pass rusher like Aiden Hutchinson that, you know, Luke is dialed in thinking about it. And his whole mission is keeping him from getting to Baker. But do you also end up therefore getting some penalties to try to keep that from happening? So can it be disciplined? Right. Can you keep him at bay for a little bit longer? Um, I think Luke seems so much more confident. I, I talked to him earlier this week about it and he was just talking about how it's night and day for him in terms of his preparation, his confidence, where he feels about himself. So I think at least it is good timing at this point in the season to have some games under his belt, have done a good job against some other great pass rushers. Um, and then defensively, yeah, the Levante versus Sam Laporta, of course, again, when I, I had already picked this like yesterday morning, oh, I think. So funny. And then Sam Laporta shows up on their 
Thursday injury report randomly after not being on it Wednesday. And so again, as of us recording this, we don't have the Friday one. Don't really know what that's going to mean. So I hope he, our pick here doesn't end up being irrelevant if he has had some freak <laughs> right. thing happen. So, um, but yeah, I mean, again, it doesn't, who knows what the severity of that is at this point or not, but yeah, I mean, he's got three touchdowns. He's averaging 11.5 yards per catch. You know, when you're averaging over a first down every time, not too shabby. And yeah, he's just such a red zone threat. And we saw how important the Bucks red zone D was versus the saints being able to hold them to three versus seven or especially zero. But I mean, that is going to be a huge thing. Cause this lion's offense, it can get rolling. They can put up some points. They can put up some yards. And I think if you're able to limit seven to three, that's going to be a really big deal. That kind of bend don't break, even if you end up giving up some yards. Um, so yeah. And I agree. I think I will take Levante in any matchup like that, even though this guy's been looking amazing, like you said, rookie versus savvy vet, uh, that's mm-hmm. going to be fun to watch. Um, how about a position group to watch? So I am going to go, I guess you can take it offensively, like running back as a whole, but I'm going to go with Rashad white. Um, offensively I want to see how this run game is going to look against this stingy Lions run defense um they are the only group in the NFL that have not allowed a rusher to gain over 100 yards um but against the Saints the Bucks only had four total runs of 10 plus yards through the first three games of the 2023 season and they already had three through the first half in the clash against New Orleans. So I want to see kind of how they're able to rebound off of that game, the momentum swing into this one. And White, you know, was quick post-cut hitting the accelerator, um, but can they achieve that balanced attack against this group? Um, You know, he's been patient in letting his blocks develop. He can stack cuts, um, easily transitions from, you know, the reactive mode to the aggression and acceleration on runs. Uh, And I just want to see that explosive splash game from him. And I think this could potentially be a statement for, for not only Rashad white, but as for this team as a whole, you know, and I think even Dave Canales was talking about it this week that there's always kind of that one statement game, even like the bucks had last season against the Seahawks in Germany um, where everything just kind of clicked. And I hope that, if, if they're able to achieve that this week, that that could send a message to the entire NFL. And then defensively, I'm going to go with the line with the return of Kalijah Kansi. Um, and I remember that brief showing that he had. <laughs> the, we picked the same ones like, yet again. Yes, we're, we're, love we picked, for us. Yep, love, I love the consistency. Um, Anyways, carry on. Yes, but the 11 snaps. And even though it was just, you know, a little small sample size. Um, but after his 11 snaps Casey Rogers said that he was hard-pressed to find any mistake that Kalijah Kansi made in that game in his debut out of the gate with a limited training camp after the calf injury that is impressive and that is high praise you know he has that explosion the first step quickness that's second to none you know the contact balance is just an absolute terror in the pocket was dang near unblockable at Pittsburgh so I'm excited to see kind of how he's able to free things up for the linebackers, um, you know, burst downhill, get to the quarterback, but also just free up things by clogging up blockers, you know, for four teammates, whether it's the edges, whether it's linebackers, whether it's Winfield on a blitz. Um, I'm excited to see what he's able to do in that highly anticipated return. 
Yeah. I think it's so funny. I normally, I try to always have a second option. I know I I typically always try to have a second option because you go first. And so if you pick what I had, I just go with my second option, but Mm -hmm. this week with both player to watch and position group to watch, I just, again, I was like, no, these are the things this is, this is what it is. And I'm just going with it. If she picks it, she picks it. (laughs) Cause I just was like, and I, and and the fact that we picked all the same thing shows, these are the the thing. And our next category is going to be keys to the game. And I feel like we now have hit what all those are as well. But um, yeah, basically the, I mean, for Rashad white and the rest of the running backs, whoever it is, if it's Vaughn, if it's Tucker, whoever else is kind of getting some carries in there. Yeah. Lions are allowing the third lowest yards per carry in the league. And right. I, I just think that that's going to be, it's going to be everything. Cause it's for one thing, it's what the bucks have been focusing on, right? It's what they know they want their identity to be, what they want to see improvement right. in. So what a test coming out of the bye week when you've just done all this self-scouting on it, looking at everything you're doing, making sure that, you know, you're, I mean, you know, that run game was their huge focus and to now have this as a test, I think is a great thing to have just immediately. Um, and then, yeah, the defensive line, their offensive line, the Lions offensive line consistently has ranked in the top five and often number two in the league. Um, in terms of most ranking systems when people do that. And the their last game, they had three. So first of all, they were averaging 5.3 yards per carry in their run game. Last game, mm-hmm. 3.2 of their 5.3 came before contact. So that is kudos to their offensive line where 3.2 is not a bad average for a run and it's coming before there's even any contact. Um, so yeah, can your defensive line plug that up and really slow down their run game as well? Uh, if we want to throw in another position group to watch, I did throw in that for our corners, the lions have the most 20 plus yard passing plays in the league. So I think that, um, to limit some of those big chunk plays is going to be really big as well. Um, so yeah, I think we've talked about this, the keys to the game, you know, limiting their rushing and then knowing that we need to get our rushing going. That just feels like at this point, that's going to be, um, the keys to the game and what everyone's going to be looking out for. So, uh, why don't we go into our quote of the week? Um, what stood out to you? What, what quote did you pick from all the things we heard people say yes. this week? So I actually have two, um, that I loved and I hope you chose neither of them, but I guess we'll see. Um, so the first one was, a quote that just kind of really spoke to me and I loved his honesty, but it was Dave Canales's quote on the Lions offense. Um, and he said, honestly, just crossing over, there are some similar similarities with Detroit's offense. I really regard them highly and have kind of followed their progress over the last three years. Just the development of their offense, the run game, the play actions, the attitude. It's really a style where I would love to look like that eventually as we put things together and really get polished. This is a team that's in their third year, really looks polished. That helps too for our defense, looking at some of the things they might see similarly to our attack on offense. And just the fact that he was willing to say, hey, this is the team that I love to study and I would like for us to eventually get here. We're not here yet, but this is the the goal of where we want ours to be clicking on, I thought was really great. Great, And even for me, I, I mean, it might not be so much great for our defense, but I have had so much fun this week, just watching Ben Johnson's offense. I mean, he's become one of the best sequential play callers in the NFL. 
um, and kind of resurrected their offense since he arrived in 2022 with kind of that iteration of the Sean McVay system. And he's installed a scheme, you know, that utilizes those condensed tight bunch formations that generate space for the receivers. And it is kind of predicated on the diverse rushing attack that ours is that isn't reliant on play action, but really accentuates it. And they're, you know, the gap based game, they use the heavy dose of the duo, the counters, the powers, the traps. Um, but they also use outside and inside zone to really set up those explosive. Um, and then they're geared just to attack matchups and voids, but the way that he schemes things to exploit matchups and to get his players in space is is really impressive and you know the the condensed sets the bunch formations the re- the receivers have you know a two-way go they have several options they can go outside you know vertical or angular which provides more room following the release but then the defense in response has to have a player you know with outside leverage inside over the top or another defender underneath to combat that package and it's so hard to cover and they run it to perfection you know they have so many weapons, David Montgomery, they have Sam Laporta, they have Amon R. St. Brown. Um, so I just loved that quote in particular, um, just especially with the the way that I kind of was was looking at things this week and just how exciting it was watching Ben Johnson's offense. And then my second one is just um, a quote on Kalijah Cansey's return that just I think will – kind of sparked the excitement for fans by Levante David, but he said, it's wonderful when you have a guy like that who can move and occupy the offensive lineman, and it gives you a chance to react quicker and use your instincts more, especially when you're playing behind him and you know what he's going to do and make a quick move. It frees up stuff for you because he's disruptive and it gives guy like guys like me and Devin White a kind of flow over the top and kind of run through gaps and stuff like that. We've seen glimpses of it, Obviously, the first time against Minnesota, he had a couple of quarterback hits and stuff like that for those 11 snaps. It's definitely dope to have him back. I know he's excited to get back. That's hometown family, so I'm glad to have him back myself. Um, You know, they kind of went to the same high school in Miami, um, that powerhouse at Northwestern. So I'm just excited to see um, him back this week. That's awesome. Yeah, those are great. Um, I picked one from Antoine Winfield and I'm kind of combining two of them that they were when he got asked about Baker Mayfield. And I always, I thought that was interesting because typically we're only asking offensive guys about your quarterback. And I thought it was really cool to hear, um, what Antoine said that he was asked about Baker Mayfield's toughness, kind of what you and I were talking about earlier in the show about the way he's able to elude some sacks and scramble and, and make things happen. And we've seen him even throw a little trash talk out there afterward. And um, he was just asked about, you know, Mayfield's toughness. And he said, it's just makes you want to go harder. You see him going out there, balling, making plays fired up, and it just gets everybody jacked up. So that's what you need on the team like this. Having him up there has been huge for us and he is playing well. And then he was also asked about when he realized Mayfield was a good fit for the team. He said, I'm not going to lie. It was the first game when he stiff armed somebody. And then he was talking his trash. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's my type of quarterback right there. And I thought it was so cool to hear that Baker Mayfield's style is firing up even our defense and yeah, all those little intangibles of what that can mean separate from just his completion percentage, his yards, his whatever, those intangibles that don't show up on the stat sheet. I think that's pretty cool. I I loved hearing that from Antoine. Um, 
All right. And then we'll close with this. I know we, we typically have some sort of human interest side off the field thing about one of the guys. And uh, normally I handle that, but you had uh, something you wanted to share about uh, Coach Canales. Yes. So I have a story going up tomorrow on just a little bit about his origin story, um, his faithful journey and rise to where he is today, the offensive coordinator of the Buccaneers and the influence of his grandparents, his parents, and just kind of the installation of his work ethic um, all through the lens of just his genuine authenticity. And I think that's one of the things you ask anyone in that building. You know, I talked with Baker Mayfield last week and I mean, they just rave about how genuine he is, that it's not this facade. It's not a front that he puts up every day. Um, He is the same person. He's always energetic. He's always positive. He has a smile on his face. You know, he treats every day like a fresh set of downs. Um, And I think that's incredible, but that's also building this culture for these players to really thrive um, and to have that energy and that person in the room to to not only look up to, but also want to play your heart out for. Um, and he is very clearly that person. So I'm excited to, to share this one. And just, I know for me, it was a blessing and also just taught me a lot through the process um, of what he's been through, what their family's been through, um, and just how exciting I think we all are for just this new chapter with him as the offensive coordinator. So Yes. I love that. That's great. Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Tampa two. Thank you all so much for joining us. We hope to see everyone rocking their creamsicle either at the game at home around Tampa, wherever you are in the country, in the world, we want to see all the orange and white. We want to see everybody representing. It's going to be so fun. Stadium is going to be fully decked out. So we cannot wait to see what this throwback matchup looks like. And we'll talk to you guys next week.